0: Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. Listen, isn't it an exciting day to be gathered together? And We welcome all who are joining online as you are uh, worshiping from wherever you might be. And uh, to just hear the faithfulness of God again for another, another year, another season in our lives. God is so faithful. And we're in, a, we're in a series right now where we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, today we're going we're gonna to take a moment and kind of step out of the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to kind of look at an expanded view from the New Testament of where the church actually practiced what Jesus said to do. What does it look like when the church is obedient? And that's what we're going to see. And I want you to go in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, we're going to see the illustration of the church on mission. The church on mission. Now, one of the Pharisees that was trying to keep the law, trying to do all that could be done to earn God's favor, his name was Saul of Tarsus he believed that he was putting to death and arresting followers of Christ and actually doing God a favor. When he held the coats at the, at the stoning of Stephen, Saul of Tarsus, the Pharisee of the Pharisees, believed he was doing the appropriate thing and that God would be applauding what he was doing. And he was so filled with his own religious resume until he met Jesus, the resurrected Savior who went chasing him down. And he understood the grace and the mercy of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and he was never the same. You remember we were looking last week at Jesus talking about anger and talking about murder in our hearts. Saul of Tarsus actually was officiating over a killing. Like he actually, when some people say, well, I've never killed anybody. Saul couldn't say that. He officiated over the martyrdom of Stephen, and I don't believe he ever forgot that. And I, I can't wait to get to heaven and say, can I see the episode of the reunion of Paul, the apostle, and Stephen, the first martyr of the church? Can I see what happened in heaven after he met Jesus? I want to see that interaction. You know, what, what episode is that? I want to see it. Listen, we have five distinctives here at Grace we're committed. These are this is our DNA. This is who we are. By God's grace to push this deep into every part of our ministry that the pinnacle of this ministry, the presence of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ without apology. No matter how our culture shifts and changes, not with anger, not with malice, not with hatred, but with love preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, Christ-centered preaching. That is my prayer. Every sermon And I will have you be praying because at the end of February, Stephen is going to be brought up here. And and it's spelled the same, but we're hopefully not having the same outcome of a martyrdom at the end. No stoning. Don't bring stones. But we're preparing him, and he is preparing now that the final Sunday of February, he will be preaching. So I I just thought of that with christ Center preaching. It just fits, all right? So you be praying about him. When it comes to our worship, we're passionate in our worship. We're not bystanders or spectators. God has been so good to us. And so when we sing amen, we just lift our voices fervent in prayer as we could just pray and be thankful and and praise the Lord for all this. And we trust him for the future. We already see God's hand at work and his moving in our lives. We're not just singing a song, an empty lyric. We're living the goodness of God in our lives, and I'm so thankful for that. That we are courageous in our evangelism, which doesn't mean unkind in evangelism. It's bold acts of mercy that we will engage with people in whatever situation. And this is what we see Paul live out in Acts 16. He's this kind of person. And so we together as the people of God, we want him to open doors that we simply are his hands, his feet in the tone, in the right way so that people can meet Jesus. That's our whole point and purpose. And we make disciples. In these past couple weeks, a week ago, we had the baptism Q&A to just come together. Yesterday, a discovery membership class. We'll have another one again soon for those who are saying, you know what, this, I want this, I believe this is the place God is bringing me. This is my church family to to plug in, to belong here. God is so good. And we're going to see all of this. Honestly, I mean, those five areas, we didn't invent these. Okay, this is just all over the pages of scripture. This is us just thankful to God for what he's done, and we see this in Acts chapter 16. So here's the question for us today. All right, the question for us today, if we're going to be on mission, then what are we supposed to be doing? As a church, what should we do to stay on mission? What should we be doing to stay on mission? And this isn't just for us and myself and future elders. This is for all of us. We're a church family. So we each have a role in the kingdom of God and in this local body of believers. Number one, okay, you've got your worship guide there. The first, the first area, what are we going to do? Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through 15. I'll read this section. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace. And the following day to Neapolis, and from there to, here's the city of our interest today, Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in the city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us? She wouldn't take no for an answer. The first person we're going to meet in this study today that God absolutely chased down in his love and mercy is this woman, Lydia, a religious businesswoman, seller of purple. That's no small time. That's big business. She's religious, She's out there in the, by the river, she's meeting, but she needed Jesus. It seemed like she had her life together, her plan, her business plan, whatever was going on. She was religious, she was doing the things that were right, but she she didn't know Jesus. So it's we're not done yet. The mission wasn't accomplished with Lydia. What are we going to do? If we're going to keep moving forward, well, then what do we see Paul doing here? We see, this is it, we preach Christ. This is what this means. If we're going to keep moving forward, we preach Christ. We're to present the gospel clearly. So Paul and his team they went looking now if if there would have been 10 Jewish men in Philippi, they would have been sanctioned and had a synagogue. There weren't 10 men. So with there being no center for Judaism, no center for people who are displaced from Israel to worship, then they went to where they would go next, and that's out to the riverside on the Sabbath day looking for people who are still in the Old Testament. They're still reading part one and they don't know part two happened and is happening and he will come again. And so Paul and his team went looking for people who were still waiting for Messiah and they found Lydia. And he preached to her the gospel. Paul's message, he preached the gospel. What is our message? What is the message that we bring? It's the same message that I heard as a child that convicted me. Amen bc you have to admit you're a sinner you have to be offended in this admit i am the problem it's my sin romans 3:23 all have sinned we've all fallen short of the glory of god romans 6:23 this is a problem that the wages of sin you like to get a paycheck when you work sin pays but what does sin pay death you could say hell You've heard the phrase there's hell to pay. Romans 6:23 is the textual address of that verse of that saying. It's our sin. Well that's our dilemma. What's the solution? That God has sent Jesus, and that's B, to believe on Christ, is to trust in him to turn from my sin and to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. This is the gospel. And when Jesus was meeting with Nicodemus, another religious person, Jesus said, are you the teacher of the Jews? You're the teacher of Israel, and you don't understand these things? Unless, John 3:3, 3, 3, one is born again. All right, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There must be new birth. Without new birth, you cannot see nor experience the kingdom of God. And Paul the Apostle would write in 2 Corinthians 5.15 that Jesus died for all. Why? That those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. Do you understand that someone took your penalty? Someone took the fine that was due for your sin, and Jesus paid your debt if you will turn from your sin and trust Him. This is the gospel. This is the solution, that we're not stuck. That it isn't like most religions say, here's more self-righteousness, here's more works righteousness. You need to go to church more, you need to give more, you need to pray more, you need to be a better person. All of those external, and Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you have no shot to get in the kingdom of... There's no hope, you're not going to make it. Who can be saved then? The person that admits they're a sinner and they trust in Jesus. That's the person that he saves. It's, it's humble. Be humble in heart. It's meek. Spiritually bankrupt. I have nothing. Jesus, I plead the blood in that sea. To confess Jesus as Lord. This is what Paul preached there at the Riverside. Think about this. 2,000 years later, not coming up with any f- new message. All right? We don't need... Do you have to get the Apple up update this week? You know, oh, security breach. Make sure you update your phone. There's no update ever needed on the gospel. It's the same. The same throughout from resurrection to here, we're preaching the same gospel. It's Jesus. He's your only hope. So that Paul would write in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be, what's the word? saved for with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved for the scripture says everyone who believes in him in him will not be put to shame you ever put your faith in somebody you trusted them and they let you down has everyone anyone ever put their faith their trust in you and you let them down that's all of us. What is, what is Paul saying? Only Jesus, all who put their faith and trust in Jesus, never failed, never let down, never disappointed. So he says, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, say it with me, will be saved. Okay, so understand, now we go back to Acts chapter 16. Paul is in Philippi. He finds the, the Jewish delegation there. It's women. How often women are so much more inclined to yield their lives to Christ, and men are just, what, stubborn, filled with self, pride? We, we just think that men do like burping and everything else and hunting and outdoors, and we stink and we work on cars, and then your life comes to an end, and what do you have? do you know the God who made you? That's the question. Are you passing down a legacy to your family and to those around you? And thank God for his grace and mercy that no matter where you've been, what your past mistakes, we all have mistakes. We've all had, we all have failures. And God is chasing you down, and he's the one who redeems and restores. Amen. Praise the Lord. Right? Right? So it's not about who's arrived and who's better than somebody else. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And it always will be all about Jesus if we stay on mission. So Paul is there and he's planting a church. That's the next step for us to go as a ministry is to be more intentional, engaged in planting churches. Sending out those planting churches where the gospel isn't Yet, maybe there's no place where people can come and they worship and hear the gospel. God, use us in this way. We preach Christ and God opens hearts. Remember that. We share the gospel, we preach Christ, but here's where we can't have anything to do with changing someone's heart. That's God's realm. And God changes people's hearts. So we preach Christ, God opens hearts. That's what the Bible says. That's what Luke, the doctor, records this. And he says, here we were, we were preaching this message, and the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Do you realize if anything resonates in your heart today, it's because God opened your heart and all of the stubbornness and pride and arrogance, you finally surrendered that to the Lord. He's the one who gets the glory for your heart being opened and you have a responsibility to open your heart. God's sovereign and you have a responsibility to respond to this message. Listen to what Spurgeon said. He said, God never clothes men until he has first strip them nor does he quicken them by the gospel till they are first slain by the law so you see how this goes together jesus said i didn't come to destroy the law i didn't come simply to give a message of hey you want to have a good life and go to heaven he came with the message, which is you understand the law condemns you, and he didn't come to condemn. He came to die and be condemned in our place so that we could be forgiven, set free, and redeemed. Amen. So Lydia listened. She weighed it out. She understood what Paul was saying, and then she had to do what you have to do. You have to think it through. Is it true? Why why would this man who used to be a religious zealot a pharisee why would he now be preaching a message that he once was devoted to destroying what happened to him you have to weigh that out this message is it true how have you responded to this message she listened she took it to heart. The Lord granted her repentance and faith. And we see what happens as lives are radically transformed. We see this displayed in Lydia. This is moving forward. Paul wasn't just staying where it was comfortable. He was going out. You think, you know, he didn't want to sleep a little more on the Sabbath day. He got out of bed. He got up, got dressed, and told his crew, come on. There are people out there waiting And there are divine appointments, and we're going to go find them. That's courageous evangelism. God, make us more like that. Make me more like that. I want to be more like that. Lydia was given new life in Christ. Lydia's life now demonstrates obedience. They were immediately, do you see what happened? They heard the message. They placed their faith and trust in Jesus. And they would have said this question, now what do we do? And Paul would have said, along with his crew, I'm glad you asked, because Jesus actually told us to go make disciples and baptize everybody that received the message. Okay, well, we're by the river. That'll work. And she was baptized in her household. All that heard the message and responded, they were baptized immediately. And the the church is beginning to be born there in Philippi. And then do you see what kind of woman this is? No longer is she just, this is my, I'm the seller of purple, and this is my, my money and my business. She is a strong woman, and she prevails over the apostle, and she says, where are you staying? Uh, well, you know, the Lord will provide. Yeah, he has. My house. Get your stuff. Get it all. Come to my house. Oh, thank you, but no, we don't want to be confused that you think that we gave you a message, and, and I'm sorry, get your stuff. And come to my house. I won't hear of it any other way. This is what Ginger's grandma used to do at the kitchen. You know, she'd be like, Brian, you got enough food? Get you some more food over there. I'm I'm pretty good, Grandma. No, get you some more food over there. I'm full. No, get you some Yes, ma'am. I'll get some more. Right? That's this woman. And she prevails on them. She's like, you don't. You ever have a waitress like that? Like, want some more coffee? No, I'm good. And they just keep coming back, filling it up don't you love people like that? That's this woman, Lydia. Her, she's not in love with her money anymore. She's not in love with her position and her business and her company. She's been saved all the way to the, to the purse. Everything now belongs to God, and she's like, you don't understand. I was on the road to hell. You came and you shared the gospel with me. You will be staying at my house, and whatever your need is, I'll take care of it. That's not how they went out that morning to the riverside. Like, well, Lord, I pray that there's some people out here. Guys, come on, you know, hopefully there's me. And they're walking back, and it's all different. Wow, high fives. This is amazing. God is faithful. God was working in her heart. And this is the high point of their day. Lydia was all in. God found her. Because they kept moving forward. Secondly, expect some opposition. Yeah, you didn't think it was just gonna be like the sitcom, right? There it is. That's wonderful and it's just great. Well, enter the drama. It's called life, it's called ministry. It's called try to do something good. And shouldn't that mean good things will happen? No, karma does not exist. The law of the harvest does. Whatever you sow, you reap. Karma and things like that, manifesting is popular right now. That's just an invention, and it's an old, it's an old trick out of Satan's old bag. So here they go as they were, uh, verse 16, as, they, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And She kept doing this for many days. Paul, having become, I like this here, greatly annoyed. Ah, That's why I like Paul. He turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. In other words, it was done, came out. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them, Paul and Silas, into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Dun, dun, dun. The plot thickens this is amazing and God is sovereign and all of our needs are provided and what he's done in Lydia and then there's this demon-possessed girl that's just these men proclaiming the gospel following them day by day by day and Paul is like I'm getting angry remember this from last week I'm getting angry in the name of Jesus Christ come out of her what, is, what do we see here? God's chasing this girl down. God cares about this demon-possessed girl who is owned by people, used by men, used and abused, and as soon as she has nothing to offer them, what do they care about her? Now, this is like pornography, that whole industry. That's all she is to them, is an object for them to earn money. And that was a big deal in that day for people to consult with the medium before going on a journey, before going out to battle. It was big money, like today, horoscopes and things of that nature, and people check all that out. But can you just look below the surface here? We're going to unpack. Isn't there a problem here with this girl and her perceived idea of knowing the future? Well... There's Saul or Paul and Silas, and they're being salt and light, and along comes the opposition. What do we see here? Christ-centered churches, they bless their community. Okay, They're making a difference in their community, and the community actually noticed it. Because the crowd joins in. They're like, yeah, these guys are changing our city. Is anybody saying that about Grace Community Church today? I hope and pray so, and it being changed for good, changed for what is right. They're like making a difference. The Christians are doing the right things. They're going to the place of prayer. Well, that's a good thing. And here comes conflict. What's this demon-possessed girl saying? She's saying they're servants of the true and living God, the, the most high God, the God over all gods. Well, that's true. They're proclaiming the way of salvation. It happens to be the only way of salvation. That's true. But the Lord doesn't need this girl or a demon's witness. The forces of hell beloved hate the church keep that in mind and you can put into there hate marriage hate clarity on being made in the image of god as in male and female from genesis the forces of hell hate righteousness in government hate local governments that try to do what's right punish evil and promote what is right which is what we're commanded in romans 13 The forces of hell are against the church, the gospel. It's wonderful to have a good government, but if you have a good government and no gospel, what do you have in a 100 years from now for most all of us? What have you accomplished without Christ? Ephesians 6 talks about wrestling and the spirits and powers. This, this girl literally had, she had a python spirit, you know, a serpent and everything devoted to that deity. So they, they gave her a great place. And when Paul turns and he has had it, and he says, in the name of Jesus, come out of her, that thing has to obey like that. Gone. And this girl's returned to a normal state that you can see her, talk to her, and you're talking to her. And there's no demonic influence well, this is starting to be an interesting church, isn't it? Satan will oppose the church, and I love this, letter C, and he will lose every single time. Yeah, okay? Every single time. This is is why he hates when we sing and when we pray and when we proclaim the gospel, because it's true. It's the writing on the wall that he's been weighed in the balance and found to be wanting. He will never thwart the kingdom of God. And one little word from that old hymn shall fell him. A mighty fortress is our God. This is the word in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And there's no long drawn out entire series of trying to deal with the demonic forces. One word and that demon is gone. And this woman is returned to her normal senses and ability to hear the gospel. So then come the attacks. You see what they did? These are Jews. Okay, that's nothing new. The world's hatred of Jewish people. These Jews have come into our city. They're disrupting our city. There's racial attacks in verse 20. There's false accusations in verse 20 and 21. They're messing up our whole city. They're telling us that we can't do. Some of that is actually true. You're saying Caesar is Lord? No. He's a ruler, but you're not going to stand before him after your heart stops beating. He will stand before the one whose image he bears remembering the words of Jesus. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar. Render to God the things, are you listening, Caesar? That are God's, whose image was on Caesar. God's, whose image is on you, God's. Now they physically assault them. they beat them. There's no trial. I don't, this is like 2,000 years ago. It probably doesn't happen now where somebody is just convicted, tried and just you know done away with with no trial, no evidence, no investigation that bears out anything. They just convict them, condemn him, and Silas, beat them and throw them in jail, and they don't yet know they're Roman citizens, and a Roman citizenship to Paul is illegal for them to do that, and they never even found that out. Remember Paul? A Roman by birth. They've broken their own laws, these Gentiles in the city. Satan hates the church, but he will lose. Read Revelation. He loses big time. Well, stay on mission. Keep moving forward. Expect some resistance. God found Lydia. God found that slave girl. Number three, remain faithful under pressure. Remain faithful under pressure. Here, Paul and Silas are thrown into jail, verses 25 and 26. About midnight, some of you are like, that's when I get going. Like, midnight is like, ah, 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 that's, you know, rise and shine. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. I mean, is that what I would be doing in the middle of a prison at midnight with my back bloody, feet in stocks, rats and everything else running around that goes with rats in a prison? And they are praying and singing. Wow. Wow if we're going to remain faithful under pressure, the church will be tested. They're being tested. They were doing the right thing. And look where they ended up. In jail. In stocks. They were beaten. They were lied about. They they, They suffered racial attacks. How did they respond? Prayer and singing. Um... Who does the Lord care about in this environment? The other prisoners and his own. He loves them. They were praying. They were praying to God. Prayer is the overwhelming, the overwhelming response of the church. Read the book of Acts that they prayed, and they prayed, and God answered. And we are seeing and have seen God answer prayer, and we are expecting him to continue to do great and powerful things today and every day that he gives us. Russ mentioned it today. We're praying for people to be saved. We're praying for people to to follow in baptism. We're praying for people that will say, here I am, God, use me. Make me like Lydia. I'm yours. What needs to be done? Here I am. I'll serve. We're praying for God's provision for our daily need. And we fast and we pray and we trust God for our future. We're praying for revival. We're praying that things change in our homes, in our communities, in our nation, in our world. And what do we know? Point blank. We can't make the change. But God will use the church to bring the change. And ultimately, Jesus will return, and change will be finalized, finished, consummated in his return. And there they are praising. Okay, so praying, maybe they're praying psalms. Maybe they're going through the psalms of ascent, and they're praying. And then suddenly they just cannot help themselves, and they start singing. Maybe they bust out a, how great is our God? Listen to what Spurgeon said. He said, any fool can sing in the day. And it's easy to sing when we can read the notes by daylight. But the skillful singer is he who can sing when there's not a ray of light to read by. Songs in the night come only from God and are not in the power of men. Songs in the night. Beloved, the church. They're there. Paul and Silas. They're in prison. And the Bible says they start singing to him. What are they singing about? Maybe they start singing what John, John Newton would later write. Amazing. Sing it with me. Blind but now I see now picture they're sitting in the jail cell Twas Grace that taught
1: my heart
0: to fear and grace my Precious did that grace appear The hour I first believed Now you think this verse would have some meaning for him? Through many dangers, toils, and snares I have already been sitting in a cell over? Have you ever heard anything like that going on? And all your time and spent in jail or whatever, the people are there, the down and out, think there's no hope for them. What's the point? I'm such a disappointment to my family. Who cares? Who cares about me? And then in come two prisoners thrown into the stocks. And on that night, you can't sleep, and you start hearing praying, and you start hearing singing. And Paul and Silas don't know what's going to happen. They don't know the full story. They don't know what God is going to do. But listen, the church will be observed. They're all observing them. They're hearing them. They're changed by what they're hearing. They're understanding there's something different about those guys. And how they're handling this low point in life, here they are. And they're observing God's goodness and God's grace. The prisoners are listening, but you know who else is listening? God is listening. God is hearing the prayer and the praises of his people. And all of a sudden, we see this next point, and that is the church will be triumphant because God shows up and he does something unusual. He does something supernatural. He sends a great earthquake. This jail starts shaking. This is a massive earthquake. It shakes the foundations of the prison, and it's a precise earthquake because it just doesn't land all of the rock down and they all die in the prison below. He shakes it precisely and releases them all from their bonds, but they're all alive. Now what are they going to do? Now they're free, but they're held captive by something stronger than the stocks and the chains and the bars. They're held by a message. They're held by the gospel. They're held by what they observed in these two individuals, and they're not running out the door. They want to hear more. God cares about those prisoners. He cares about those men so much that he would allow these two faithful servants to be beaten and imprisoned so that those men would understand how greatly they are loved by God. Lydia, the servant girl, the slave girl possessed by a demon, these prisoners, but they're not the only one. We've got one more person to meet. When the church is on mission, We will rejoice in the goodness of God. We will rejoice in the goodness of God. Verse 27, when the jailer woke, he saw that the prison doors were open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Supposing that the prisoners had escaped But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Uh, Who's in charge now? And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Glad you asked. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. He hadn't done that earlier. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household That he had believed in God. Here they see the goodness of God unfold. They didn't see this coming. That girl that had a spirit to tell the future, she didn't see that coming. They missed that one. That was pretty big. Your career is almost over. And the girl who tells people their futures and makes a lot of money by it didn't see that her career was almost over. I mentioned it last week. There were a lot of people making prophecies who are worth a lot of money out in their ministries, and they lied. And fully disclosed that their message was not from God about the recent election and things that would happen. That's why the church stays on mission and doesn't delve down into politics. As citizens, we have responsibility with politics. And we give a politician our vote, but we never, I've said it, and it's true, we don't give him your heart. Here we find Paul, Silas, and they're praying. They're singing, the jailhouse just begins to shake. In comes this jailer. God will show up, beloved. He showed up in power and glory in the most unusual and unexpected places. He wasn't a minute early and he wasn't a minute late. He was right on time. He showed up. God is always right on time. The prisoners are all still there, they didn't go anywhere. They're held. And here comes this jailer, and he comes into the prison, and he fears the worst. All of the prisoners, if they would have escaped, all of those punishments and penalties that were hanging over their heads would have been put on his. So he wasn't going to let his his life be ended in shame before his family and before his community. He was going to do it himself. He was going to end his life. What do we know? There's been consequences with the lockdown. There are people that are absolutely struggling with depression because we are not meant to live in isolation, and I'm not saying that it's not important that we kept distance and all of the things that were necessary. But we are meant to live in community. We are meant to live in fellowship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, there's fellowship and there's community. So for the person who says, I will live in isolation and run from relationship, It's running into loneliness and God cares and God is sending Paul and Silas to say, don't end your life. Maybe somebody needs to hear this today and you think I've reached the bottom. There's no hope. Never make a permanent decision on a temporary circumstance. This man didn't know all that went on and what happened and what God was going to do. And at his lowest point in life, he was about to check out. He was about to say, I call it quits. I'm not going to be put to death in front of my family, my wife, my kids, my parents, whoever may be around, not in front of my fellow soldiers. Uh -uh. I'm going to end my life. And Paul, do you want to understand if he got Jesus' message to bless those who persecute you? Paul, if he had any bitterness or ill will in him, he would have said, Serves you right. You didn't wash our wounds when we came in here earlier. You threw us. And remember, I was telling you what it meant. How do you think he knows? What, tell me what I need to do to, to be saved. How did he know that? Because somebody was telling him earlier in the night and he wasn't listening. Has anybody been telling you the gospel and you haven't been listening? There's your guy. And God kept knocking and wouldn't let go and ran and chased him down. Oh, praise be to the Lord. He was ready right to end of his life. Listen, if someone is struggling with suicidal thoughts, there's the 800 line 1 800 237 talk. Take the step, talk to somebody. You matter. As a church, we believe this. We care about every life, and we want to show mercy and engage. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. Amen? This this is, if we're cut, we're to bleed love. Not bitterness, not jealousy, unforgiveness. That's all from hell. The people from heaven, forgiveness, grace, mercy, kindness, forbearance. It's a big difference people and circumstances, beloved, will change. Do you believe this? God will show up. What happens when God shows up? People and circumstances will change. Any circumstances in your life right now that don't seem to change, that's letter B, where you've been praying and you've been seeking God and you've been striving. Listen, when God shows up, people and circumstances change drastically change. So we're praying, God, show up. That question that he asks, sirs, this man who's a powerful individual is now kneeling before these men. He's humbled. He understands he's been loved. What must I do to be saved? You know, my grandparents probably passed out thousands of gospel tracts that on the front said, what must I do to be saved? That's the question. Have you answered that question? Have you ever asked that question, what must I do to be saved? Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus Christ lived a life that you could never live, died in your place, and he rose again, and confess him as Lord, trust him, yield your life to his, and he will give you life that never ends. This is the gospel. That's what they had to tell this man. What do I do now? Be baptized. And everybody in his house that took the message to heart and responded, they were baptized immediately. He's washing their wounds. He's like, Lydia, what happened to you? What changed you? Jesus. That's our story. And we're sticking to it, right? It's Jesus. What's good about you? Jesus. It's all Jesus. And we can trust that lives will be rescued and redeemed. This all unfolds in this in this one passage. This is what the church did everywhere they went, and he would be beaten, and he would be shipwrecked. Paul would be he would be just left for dead, hated, and he wouldn't give up. He would stay on mission. Why? Because wherever we go, some people will hear the gospel and they will believe and they will follow in baptism and the Lord will use them for his kingdom everywhere you go. Somebody will come to faith in Christ and their life will be changed. The compassion and the generosity of Jesus was immediately displayed in that man's life. What if Paul would have held a grudge? What if Paul would have just been... You know, when he was locking him up earlier that night, what if Paul, under his breath, would just, I'm trying to do right, and you're locking me up. And, you know, what if you would just been that kind of a person? Isn't this encouraging when somebody who preaches the truth actually then lives the truth? Perfectly? Only Jesus. Everybody else, we're a work in progress. But listen to what we closed last Sunday's sermon with when Paul wrote to the Roman church in Romans chapter 12 and verse 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy, the jailer, who didn't show you any love and concern and threw you into stocks in the middle of the night and went off to his nice warm bed with his family. If your enemy is hungry, don't kill yourself. We're all here. This is Paul living this out. Feed him if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Don't we see this happening in the Philippian jail? Do not be overcome by evil, but read it with me. Overcome evil with good. That's Paul living on mission. May God help us as his people to live on his mission. Don't be overcome with evil. Overcome evil with good. And when we do, here it is. How are we going to stay on mission as a church? Keep moving forward. You get knocked down, keep moving forward. You fail, repent, keep moving forward. You mess up, repent, keep moving forward. Keep your eyes on Jesus, too. Expect opposition. Don't go cause it, but expect it. It's going to happen. Don't cause conflict, you know. Expect it. it's going to happen. People, read your Bible. Remain faithful under pressure. And rejoice in the goodness of God. Read the letter of Philippians. What's the theme of it? Joy. Joy born out of a prison, that church. And when Paul writes to them, that church understands what it is to rejoice. Why? Because they knew we have been loved by God. He chased us down. And that guy went to the brink of death to bring us the message. And he forgave, that's like Jesus. And he loved, and that's like Jesus. And when he was asked the question, what must I do to be saved? He said, you need Jesus. And I'm telling you the same thing today. This message is for you. Have you turned from your sin and trusted in the Lord Jesus? If not, let today be the day. Let today be the day. For those who are in a few moments going to follow in baptism, this is their tribe here. If you've been saved and you followed in baptism, this is your family right here when you read Acts 16. Everybody's all wrapped up in, you know, genealogy and your heritage and all that. Well, sometimes you find stuff that's really not that great. This is awesome. And if you belong to the king of kings, this is your heritage. And we're going to meet him one day. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word, and thank you for your church, and thank you that you, by your spirit, will enable us to stay on mission. Oh, Father, we need your help to keep moving forward. On our own, we get tired, and we just get, we just struggle. We just want to quit. So you help us by your spirit to keep moving forward, Lord. We understand that we will face opposition, but Lord, help us to be faithful, faithful under pressure. And we are, and we have, and we will rejoice in the goodness of God revealed in Jesus Christ, our Savior, our only hope. Lord, you are awesome, and we worship you, and we urge everyone who does not worship Jesus to trust in you today and experience for themselves amazing grace, no sweeter sound. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.